Hello and welcome to Wealth of Knowledge. I'm your host, Antonio Barbera, and this week we're discussing how to succeed with a small business. Before we get into it, a quick word from our sponsor. Meet Miguel. He has investments through principal. Hi there. Miguel finally had the opportunity to buy his dream car in retirement. But life changed when his 16-year-old granddaughter moved in. We're happy to have her. With the help of his advisor, Miguel reworked his financial plan. And now that dream car looks a little different. We just want it to be safe for her to drive. We can help you plan for that. Principal. Investments. Retirement. Insurance. Sponsored by member companies of Principal, Des Moines, Iowa. Principal National Life and Principal Life Insurance Company. Principal Global Investor. Securities offered by Principal Securities and Clever SIPC. According to the U.S. Small Business Administration, there are over 30 million small businesses in the United States, and they make up 47.5% of U.S. employees. I have with me today a small business and credit expert to help discuss how to turn your idea into a business, how to get your finances in order to fund your business, and how to avoid the most common reasons small businesses fail. Joining me is Jerry Detweiler. Jerry is the Education Director for NAV, which provides business owners with simple tools to build strong business credit and match them to financing. She has more than two decades of experience in consumer credit education, has been interviewed in more than 3,500 news stories, and answered over 10,000 credit questions online. We're going to get to 10,001, 10,002 on the show in a bit. Her articles have been widely syndicated on sites such as MSN, Forbes, and MarketWatch, and she's the author or co-author of five books, including Finance Your Own Business, Get on the Financing Fast Track. Jerry, thanks for joining us on the show. Oh, thank you so much. So, Jerry, you know, before we get started, I'd love to hear more of your background and what led you down this path of, of helping people get their small businesses up and running. I started my career in Washington, D.C., working uh, with a consumer advocacy group, and I got to work on consumer credit legislation, like the legislation that gave us free consumer credit reports and the legislation that told us what our credit card cost before we actually got it in the mail. So I've been around the space for quite a while, and about 10 years ago, I was introduced to small business attorney Garrett Sutton, and he's the co-author of my latest book. And he said, you know, I have a lot of clients, small business clients who are paying a lot of money for these business credit building programs to to purportedly build business credit so they could get financing regardless of their personal credit. And it seemed like there was better use for the money that they were spending on that program. So he said, let's, let's try to find a way to help them. So I got to delve into the world of business credit. And it's so fascinating to me, Antonio, because when I started in this field, you know, way back when I I do workshops and I'd say, you know, have any of you checked your credit? Do you know your credit scores? And people would say, eh, no, they didn't even know I was taught what FICO was about. They hadn't heard of FICO. Well, now I'm doing the same thing on the business credit side because many business owners don't know that these business credit agencies exist and that business credit can affect their financing and other opportunities for their business. So it's all kind of come full circle and it's fun to be involved in, in that education. So as we get into it now, I want to talk about, first and foremost, turning ideas into businesses and the difference between an idea and a business. You know, I think so many dreaming entrepreneurs have big ideas that will make them rich and famous, and they don't have any plan for it besides sort of, you know, I just need to get started, uh, basically. So how can someone turn an idea into a business in a smart way where they don't destroy their savings, they don't destroy their credit, or both, frankly? You're exactly right. A lot of people think I have this great idea. And a lot of times they're very protective of the idea. They're so 
afraid to bring it to market because they're afraid someone's going to steal the idea that they invest all this time and money and then discover, hey, no one really wants to pay for that. So the very <laughs> first thing you want to do is you want to find a customer who will pay you money for whatever it is you're offering, whether it's a product or service. And this is, you know, your friends, uh, family, they may say, that's a great idea. I love it. But until someone's willing to put up cold, hard cash, you don't know whether you have a business. The great thing is that you can do this now. This is the best time ever to start a small business because you can do this now on such a great, um, with testing with such a, a low marketing cost initially, you could create a Facebook page and test some Facebook advertising, for example. Same with any kind of online advertising. You can reach people so inexpensively now in a way that wasn't possible even five or 10 years ago. So I think that's the very first thing you want to do. And then the second thing you want to do, or maybe you're doing this simultaneously, is I would really encourage anyone who wants to start a small business to get a mentor. There's very clear research around the fact that small businesses that work with mentors are more profitable, they're more profitable more, more quickly, they're more likely to stay around longer, and you can do this very easily through uh, free resources that are funded through our taxpayer dollars uh, through the Small Business Administration. So if you go to sba.gov tools, you're going to see right there a locator tool and it helps you locate a local resource in your community that can help you start your small business. This is such a great segue. And so I, I pulled up some stats from Small Business Trends. Uh, and one of the first things I, I wanted to know was what were the percentages of success rates for businesses over time. Uh, and so for small businesses, the stat they had started that started in 2014, 80% of those businesses made it to year two by 2015. And then these numbers start to drop every year. And by the fifth year, only 56% of businesses were still in existence. So about half were already gone uh, within that fifth year, which is scary for a lot of people. And they list these top 10 causes, and the number one cause at 42% uh, of the, the reason that small businesses fail is that there's no market need. So I, I love that that's the first thing that you touch on, is doing your homework uh, to make sure that there's a need for it and that people are going to pay for it, not only do they want it. The second big reason that businesses fail was 29% uh, was stated that they ran out of cash. Uh, so I want to spend some time focusing on business financing, which I know is your area of expertise. So, you know, starting a business is hard enough. F making sure that there's a need for, for what you're producing is, is hard enough. And then there's the financing challenge of a business. How do entrepreneurs, how, should, how do you recommend that they start to finance their businesses? Well, bootstrapping is great if you can afford to do that. So if you can afford to slowly invest, most entrepreneurs invest their own money to start, whether it's personal savings or even tapping personal credit may be a way that, that many small business owners do start. But if you can start small and, and you can test it, maybe you can even do it as a side hustle initially while you test it and get things up and running, that's a great way to go. Uh, startup financing is the most challenging type of financing you can get because most lenders who are financing small businesses are looking for time in business, revenues, and credit. So if you have great credit, you have options, but if you don't have time in business and revenues, then your options are more limited. 
So you want to try to look at leveraging that credit, but doing it in a very careful and methodical way so that every dollar that you spend is going to help make the business profitable and you're not spending on things that don't provide a return on investment. For example, you know, the nice office furniture or the, the <laughs> really slick business cards that maybe are going to sit in your drawer for a while because you're mostly connecting to people online. You really want to be smart about every dollar that you, that you spend initially. So don't, don't splurge for the $10,000 Armani suit on day one of your small business. <laughs> not yet. Okay. <laughs> Uh, and according to the Federal Reserve, about half of all small business owners use credit cards in their business. What steps do you recommend they take to make sure the credit cards they use help their business rather than hurt the business? Credit cards are interesting because most of them, most of us think of them as a payment tool, and they aren't. They can be a great payment tool, and um, you can earn very lucrative rewards on credit cards as well. And small, I know small business owners who fund, you know, employee perks and all their personal travel because of the rewards they get on their credit cards. But when it comes to starting your business, I would recommend you consider getting a small business credit card as opposed to using a personal credit card. And the reason I'm going to suggest that is some of the small business credit cards don't show up on your personal credit report. So if you need to carry some debt initially on that credit card, it won't affect your personal credit scores. Many, many people are aware that the debt you carry on your credit cards has a significant impact on your FICO scores. And so when those balances start creeping up to 40, 50% of your available credit, it usually means your credit scores go down. I was at a workshop where a small business advisor shared a story about a client. She had some financing fall through at the last minute. She ended up maxing out her personal credit cards. Her business was successful, and a year later, she was able to refinance with an SBA loan. SBA loans are available to refinance debt. She paid off her personal credit scores, her credit cards, and her credit scores jumped 125 points. Wow. That was the impact that debt was having on her personal credit. So a business credit card that doesn't report to personal can be helpful in the early stages of your business. Now, one thing that business owners ask me all the time is, well, I'm a startup. Can I get one of these cards? And the answer is most likely yes. Most small business credit cards make the decision based on the owner's personal credit and they will take income from all sources. So if you still have a day job or even if your spouse is working and would contribute to help you if the business was you know, having trouble paying the bills, you can put that on your application and then that income could help you qualify. So you can start this from the beginning, but I'm gonna give one caveat and that is that business credit cards don't carry the same protection as consumer credit cards when it comes to things like rate changes. So if you're one day late on a business credit card, your interest rate could skyrocket. And I, some of the issuers, they, they reserve the right to raise your interest rate to 22, 23, 25% or even more. So with a business credit card, you always wanna make sure that you at least make the minimum payment on time each and every month so you don't see your interest rate go up. And so how about personal, you know, or excuse me, how about credit scores? When, when you and talk about the importance of starting a business, is it more important to have a good personal credit score or a good business credit score? 
I think both personal and business credit scores are important and business credit scores can help you, especially if you start early to build your business credit, because eventually the goal is for your business to be self-sustaining, for you not to be tapping your personal credit cards or your personal uh, savings account when business is slow. You want to move in the direction of the business paying for its own expenses and business credit can help you move away from personal guarantees. Now to build business credit, the most important thing is that you have accounts that actually show up on your business credit reports and it's not the same as personal. Is with personal, you get a car loan, a credit card, a student loan, it's going to show up on all three of your consumer credit reports, almost guaranteed, right? Very unusual for it not to. With business credit, not all issuers report and not all of them report to all the business credit agencies. So this is the number one frustration we see at NAV is business owners will say, hey, I just went to check my business credit. I don't have any business credit, but I've been in business 10 years. What's up? Why is it I don't have it? It's because they haven't done business with companies that report. So I'll give two tips here. One tip is many biz, small business credit cards do report to business credit agencies. So you can start by building credit with companies that report. And then the second is you can look to vendors who will report your payment history. So companies like Suma Office Supplies, Quill, Granger, Uline, these are ones that have all kinds of items small businesses can use from the Keurig cups for your coffee machine to copy paper to janitorial supplies. And they will let you get an account based not with, not with personal credit. You don't have a personal credit check, but they'll let you start out with net 30 terms, which means you have 30 days to pay them. And they will report your payment history to the business credit agencies, and that builds a business credit history. So I have a list of these at nav.com slash vendors, and it's easy to just start building business credit. Just like personal credit, I'd say do it sooner rather than later because it takes time to build a good credit score. I'm going to pivot slightly now to, to, to cash. Right. In terms of dollars and cents, there's a ton of discrepancy in terms of how much you need to start a small business. I mean, when I was doing a little bit of research, I read places suggesting $10,000 and then places suggesting close to $100,000. You know, I would think this is because different types of businesses will have much greater financial barriers to entry compared to others. Do you have any advice for how someone should go about figuring out the, hey, this is exactly how much I need to get started in a way where I'm giving myself a chance to succeed? Yeah, I think the common advice is, you know, build your runway a lot longer than you need because it's always going to take more time and more money. Right. And right. one of the most common reasons that businesses fail, as you mentioned, was they run out of cash. So they haven't planned for that runway. At the same time, there are a lot of small businesses that have been successfully started with very small capital amounts and they grow it over time. So very often in that case, the business owner has some kind of resources to fall back on, whether it's personal savings, a spouse that's working, or they're doing this as a side hustle and they still have a, an income to pay their own personal expenses so they don't have to quit their business and go back to get, you know, getting a, a quote unquote real job. So I would say for, for a business owner, that one step there is to create a business plan and get some realistic idea of what it's going to take to get to various milestones in your business. And I mentioned earlier that you can get these, you can get this help from your local SCORE mentor, uh, Small Business Development Center, uh, there's veteran and women-owned business centers. The, they all offer free advice and mentoring to small business owners. It's truly free. And if you're having trouble 
figuring out how to put the numbers together. That's what they're there for. They work with so many small businesses that they can take a look and, and give, you a, give you a realistic plan or help you create a realistic plan for getting your business off the ground. But don't let money stop you. I've seen so many businesses start with a few hundred dollars and just a lot of persistence, blood, sweat, and tears, and they grow it uh, to, to a much larger entity over time. Going back to that list of reasons from small business trends, I, I found it really interesting. The number three reason uh, of why small businesses fail was the, the term was not the right team. 23% of businesses fail because they don't have the right, the right players. So you're trying to succeed in an already you know, extremely difficult world of, of entrepreneurship and you don't have the right people working for you. What sort of advice do you give out in terms of assembling the best team uh, to give your business the best chance to, to, to thrive? That's a really, that's a really um, great point. And it's, it's tough because for many individual small business owners, they may be the only employee in their business. And that's the, actually the majority of businesses in America. They are sure. one-person businesses and maybe they have an employee or two or part-time employees. So very often you will be starting yourself. So then you have to figure out, okay, how am I going to get the expertise that will help me be successful? I mean, I, you, you, you touched on you know the, the idea of using mentors, and that's, I think, would certainly be helpful uh, for yourself. Um, but you can't really use that mentor as you start to grow and add, and add employees. That's right. And, and so I think the best ones, right? That's exactly right. And so one thing I think you have to caution against is, is hiring people, you know, uh, it could be a family member, a friend of a friend or whatever, because you have, you may have to make some very tough decisions about letting them go. And they have to be willing to see you as someone that they're working for, and not as a friend or family member. So I think that's where a lot of these businesses go wrong is they end up relying on people that they know and like and maybe trust, but they don't know them in the professional capacity that they need. And they can't, they can't say no, they can't right. say it's not working out. I mean, I, I agree with you, frankly, but playing devil's advocate, you know, somebody, an, uh, a dreaming entrepreneur drives down the street and he sees, you know, S Smith and Sons <laughs> hardware and it's a family company and you'll see a bunch of family companies. They exist and they do well, but I still think you're absolutely right that it's it's so hard when when difficult decisions come to the table. How do you deal with it when it's a friend or when it's a family member? Yes, I don't have the perfect answer uh, to that solution of building the team, especially when you're young. But I would really look for someone also who really complements your skills and doesn't and and can take things off your plate. So you, as a business owner, need to focus on okay, what's the number one thing I bring to my business? Maybe for you, it's sales. Maybe for you, it's marketing. Maybe for you, it's that you're a great networker. But um, the things that take your time that you don't want to do and aren't great at are the things you want to look at finding someone to outsource. That can be as simple as your bookkeeping. I mean, how many small business owners are always behind on their taxes and bookkeeping? If they outsource that at the beginning, that frees up time, mental energy, and stress so that you can focus on what you do really well. The, uh, the perfect solution is the first person you hire is excellent at hiring other people, and then you never have to worry about it ever again. I love it. Uh, and so in any venture, you know, failure is to be expected. 
uh, and the most important thing is learning from the failures so that you can find future solutions and not make the same mistake twice. How does this apply to the world of small businesses? I mean, you're going to make mistakes, hopefully not ones that are so big that the business is going to fold, but how do you learn from the mistakes and, and improve, improve the business over the long term? It's very common to read business success stories. It's less common to read business failure stories. So I think you have to be very curious about business fail failure. And I think you need to ask people, you know, what have you done wrong? What hasn't worked? If you're in some kind of networking groups, find out where their failures have been. I, I've been involved in two businesses that did not succeed. And I learned something from both of those, you know, both of those experiences that made me a little smarter the next time around. And so asking about failure is certainly one thing that you want to do. And then I also think, um, again, being really willing to, to listen to other people and, and take other advice. It may not be the best advice for you, but really be willing to listen what's behind it. Don't be afraid to reach out to people you would consider your competitors and to network with them because you can learn a lot that way. There may belong to it. You may join a trade association, for example, for your industry. Uh, I've just, I just did an article for Snow Business Magazine. There's a whole convention and, <laughs> and publication devoted to people in the snow removal business. So every business type of business has its, has its groups to network with. I would definitely network with them and find out, hey, what hasn't, don't just ask about what's gone well, but what hasn't gone well as well. Can you uh, could you touch on those two those two businesses that you had that that struggled? Yes, absolutely. Actually, both of them went out of out of business. So I was involved very early on with a business that was involved in permission based email marketing. It was a Silicon Valley startup, and uh, I think part of it was the team, the person who led it. Part of it was lack of capital that didn't work out. Definitely got a lot of attention. Uh, interestingly now, I think there's uh, definitely a market case for it. It's sort of along the lines of what you'd say with Ebates, something like that. So mm -hmm. maybe it was just too early. I don't know that, but there was definitely a team issue and money issue involved. And then the second one was a mortgage search engine that um, was quite innovative and remarkable for its time. And we managed to get the word out about it. But again, the team, the infrastructure wasn't there to support the kind of growth and the connections weren't there to make it into the kind of company that it needed to be. So sometimes a part of an element of, of a business, especially if you're trying to go grow a very large business, so you want to grow a, a, a billion dollar business, then you really do need to build the connections with people who have the connections to get the money to help you get there. So fortunately, you know, since then I've been involved in other companies that were more successful, but I would say the difference between that experience and this experience is that they do have the team and the connections behind it to, um, to build a larger reach than what we had. You, you touched a little bit already on uh, side hustles and part-time jobs. So I, I want to get into the, the difference between starting a small business versus starting a side hustle. You know, usually a side hustle requires much less in terms of financial investment, time. As, as you mentioned, you can probably still keep your, your you know, your full-time job, your day job, uh, and do this side hustle on the side. Um, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't require any financial investment. So you know, we've been discussing all this advice for, for starting small businesses. How should a listener adapt this information when starting a side hustle? I mean, does some of it match up just on a smaller scale? 
I think it does. I think it very well can. I think one question you have to ask is, is my employer okay with me sure. side hustle? So in some cases, you may have signed agreements with your employer that could give them the right to own your business if it becomes successful. So you need to explore that and make sure the legal ramifications there and make sure you're whoever you're working for is fine with it. But then it's, assuming that's okay, then you um, very often what helps is to give yourself a time limit. Because with a side hustle, you could go on and on and on and on and <laughs> never realize that, you know what, hey, I don't really have a business here. It's really a hobby. It's not, it's not going to work out. So you have to give yourself a time limit and maybe sprint toward uh, particular goals and then sprint toward that time limit. And then at that, at that point in time, determine whether it's something that is something you are passionate enough and has enough, uh, enough potential to continue or if it's something you should fold and move on to something else. Give yourself a trial run before you before you go into it. I, I'm sure that Jerry, you interact with a ton of small business owners, uh, and I bet you've heard of thriving businesses where you hesitated when when hearing what it is they do, or or when they first pitched the idea to you, you said, "Well, I, I don't know how well that's going to work." Do you have any success stories of these really niche businesses or, or stories where uh, you were surprised maybe that they did as well as they did, especially early on? Yeah, there's two businesses that, I, that are really interesting to me. One is uh, it's Salt and Saver. It's a it's a guy who started Dave Edmondson started making sauerkraut in his kitchen the old fashioned way, and and people kept saying this is so great you should sell it. He was kind of rolling his eyes. Yeah, right. He ended up taking it to a farmers market, sold out. His customers loved it. They were coming back for more, but he did need some capital, so he ended up maxing out his personal credit cards, and then he turned to Kiva. Kiva K I V A dot org is a nonprofit zero percent microlender, and through Kiva he was able to raise uh, I think it was about. $5,000 the first time and he was able to move to the next level and then he had, went, ended up going back to them a second time and uh, the second time a health food store helped fund his campaign and said, we'll fund it if you'll put the sauerkraut in our, in our store and they said yes. So that was, that was a really cool story and, and very inspiring what he's done just um, by bootstrapping it. Another story that I really loved was Ann Courtney Olson and, and she, was, um, she was out of she was in a car accident. She couldn't walk for almost a year. And when she finally started walking again, she realized she was not going to be able to go back to her old career in restaurant management. She had another challenge in front of her, and that was she was a recovering addict. And during her days of using, she had uh, bounced a lot of checks and her credit scores were in the 500s. So in the rehab facility she went to, once she started walking again, she started driving people around to their appointments, doctor's appointments. And they said, you should drive a taxi. So she said, okay. So she went and worked for a taxi company, hated it because the the cars were dirty and they broke down all the time, but she loved the business. So she ended up through a series of events, she ended up starting her own driving business, Q&D Driver. And this was before Uber. But even with that, she is thriving in her business because she provides very excellent customer service. She guarantees she will be there on time and get people to their appointments or their flight on time. And if they don't, you know, the the ride's on her. Uh And so she's actually continuing to expand and she's rebuilt her credit. She was able to buy a better car. She's Her business uh, just got awarded a grant to be part of a, a, a local program to grow her business. So I love her story because even though you would think that 
driving a car these days with Uber and Lyft would be such a challenging business. She's doing very, very well in it. So there's all kinds of success stories out there. You really have to look at what, what fits your interests and your passions. And I ask that because, you know, we opened, we opened this episode with sort of dreamers who have ideas but, but no business plan. But then there's a lot of people who have ideas, they have the business plan, but they're afraid to pull the trigger because they, you know, they think it's, it's just not going to work. It's not going to take off, even if they have the, the, research, uh, the research in front of them uh, to, to say otherwise. As we finish up here, Jerry, what's, what are some of your final most important nuggets of advice for someone looking to start their small business? I would say my best piece of advice is to really start your business legit from the beginning. So take the, the steps to make sure your business um, is and appears to be a reputable business. So simple things like forming a legal entity, getting an EIN number, setting up your bookkeeping from the start, starting to build business credit from the start, separating your business and personal finances. These are all things that sometimes entrepreneurs put off till later, thinking there's always going to be a time to get to it. And then by the time they're getting to it, they realize, you know, their books are a mess and it's going to take forever and they, they get overwhelmed and just don't don't end up catching up. I, I can't, I talk to accountants and I can't tell you how many of them say they have small business clients who haven't filed a tax return in five years. So, so you don't want to be that small business owner. So decide you're going to take those steps from the beginning. And then, like I said earlier, get a mentor, get advice. You don't have to do this. It's, you don't have to do this on your own. There are people who can help you do it. It doesn't have to cost you anything, but it can help you get off on the right foot. And so actually, I'll, I'll add this last question because we've discussed the importance of mentors. Who, who have been some important mentors for you in your small business life? Um, I was self-employed for 10 years. And so I did I, a couple of things I did right and wrong. But one is I did not have a formal small business mentor, but I did have some small business coaches during that time. And that proved to be very helpful. And I'm also a voracious reader. So I would read lots and lots of books and try to implement, you know, advice that I learned from other people who had been there. Uh, but in hindsight, when I was self-employed, I think I would have benefited from either working with a small business development center advisor or a score mentor just to keep my goals on track. And if I were to do it again, that's what I do. Jerry, thank you so much for, for taking time to speak with us today. Where can our listeners find you on social media if they want more of your expert advice? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and uh, you can also go to nav.com slash podcast. And there you can download our free business credit building checklist. So it'll show you how to build business credit. And uh, we also have a coupon code podcast to get a free month of NAV premium, but a basic NAV account to check your business credit is always free. Right, well, thank you very much for, for coming on. Thank you. And to thank you to our listeners, please subscribe to our podcast, rate it, comment on it. And if you have personal finance questions related to debt, saving money, loans, or small businesses that you'd like answered on future shows, please email wealthofknowledge at usnews.com. We'll review your emails and we'll try to answer a few on the next personal finance episode. Finally, if you'd like to read up on personal finance information, check out money.usnews.com slash personal finance, where we have all sorts of advice on taxes, spending, budgeting, banking, and so much more. Thanks for listening to Wealth of Knowledge. I'm Antonio Barbera. See you next week. At Principal, we get it. You have big plans for your money, but sometimes life has something else in mind. 
There are twists and turns you never see coming. Twists like promotions and job transfers, and turns like new family members and rising college tuitions. Life doesn't always go according to plan. We can help you plan for that. Principal. Investments. Retirement. Insurance. Sponsored by member companies of Principal, Des Moines, Iowa. Principal National Life and Principal Life Insurance Company. Principal Global Investor. Securities offered by Principal Securities, Inc. Member SIPC.